This is the podcast of North Church of God in St. Joseph, Missouri. Let's join Pastor David as he shares biblical truths and insights that will enhance your weekly Bible study. Happy Sunday again, everyone. Happy Sunday. We have had Or a... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever, whenever, whenever you're, you're listening. listening to this. <laughs> we have had a full day today. Yes, praise the Lord. It's been a great day. Wow. We had, um, today we had something called Pizza with the Pastor. Awesome. Awesome at time. At church today. We invited mm-hmm. people to stay and have pizza with us and kind of hear what's about to happen in the life of North Church. Exciting things coming up. Lots great of, opportunities to serve. and Lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had pizza and that was great. And then... We came back home and took a brief little nap. That was great. Brief little respite. And then we had a really cool highlight for this afternoon. Let me tell you. We went to a gospel spectacular. Well, it was a gospel gospel concert downtown. And it included the uh, local community choir Mm -hmm. as well as... um, youth groups, children who were part of a, a, a local program and then a special guest gospel musician with his group and all of them performing together uh, was it was it was spectacular. Yeah. I loved it from start to finish and uh, our little baby girl was with us and man oh, she, she loved, it. loved it too. she loved the music. She had her hands up and waving and praising the Lord. But the thing that really got her were the youth. Um, there's a, a, a group of them who are drummers. Drumline, yeah. Sticks, sticks, I think they were called. Yeah. And uh, boy, she she really was amazed seeing them you know, with their drumline routine. Yeah. So fantastic. So uh, the organization is Mid-City Excellence, mm-hmm. yep. um, and they do some youth programs in town, and they are faith-driven, faith-focused. Yes. Um, and then the special guest of the night was Isaac Ates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, you, if you've never uh, been exposed to Isaac, certainly look him up. Uh, gospel writer, mm-hmm. composer, and arranger, and performer, and just uh did a fantastic job yeah his group was super talented and i think what was cool about the whole thing is you really had a mixture of backgrounds there tonight some of a religious nature and some (laughs) not such a religious nature and yet all of them were singing god is good which is kind of a little preview of uh the end of times because Philippians says there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every Mm -hmm. tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's neat to see a little preview of that. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. You could look up Isaac Cates on YouTube. He's got some videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. If you want to hear a little snippet of what we were able to hear tonight. And we did it um, all because of some friends of ours, friends of North Church, Mm -hmm. Larry and Melody. Uh, so I'm just going to shout out to them for hosting us, <laughs> thank you, thank the three you, thank of us you, thank tonight. You, thank you, thank you. What's really cool about our relationship with Larry and Melody is the fact that Melody's dad 
yes. uh, pastored North Church of God years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, Melody likes telling the story that she and Larry shared their first kiss out on our porch. Oh, <laughs> back when they well, were dating. Well, not our porch, their porch. Well, which at is the now time, yeah. <laughs> we actually live in the parsonage or uh, the church house um, that they lived in for a time when they mm-hmm. when their parents were here and, and ministering. And I feel like um, I don't know how I don't know how other pastors feel. I feel like for us though. Um, what a great sense of honor and responsibility to follow such great people that have pastored this church before us. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't build this church. We didn't start this church. Um, This is something that we were basically like, we picked up the torch and we're running forward with it. And so, you know, you never leave, um, an area of ministry, hoping that the next person fails. You know, you always, right, right, you're right. always very prayerful that the ministry that you worked so hard for years in would continue and be successful mm-hmm. and flourish. And so, I hope that you know we are are you know doing them proud. I know if um, Melody's dad were still with us, I I know that. Uh, I would, I would really hope that we were making him proud with the job that we were doing here. North, North Church of God, 93 years yeah. at this point. Uh, it has uh, continued to minister and serve within our community, and uh, we will continue to do so as long as the Lord allows. Yeah. And as you said, we're, we're part of a great heritage and mm-hmm. part of a great legacy and um, are grateful for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're grateful for the relationships that we have with others that are tied to this church from years ago. We we have have friends that have also pastored this church that we're close with, and um, it it is a great like I I feel like there's a great reverence or a great deal of responsibility, you know, that I feel mm-hmm. when it comes to um, continuing on in ministry, especially in this church, knowing some of the history. I, grew up in St. Joseph, you know, right, for myself. Right. So, Your hometown. um, you know, it, I, I do see it as very important and, uh, just blessed and, and, uh, happy to be a part of it in this season of things. <laughs> so it's awesome to be able to, to carry something on, uh, for the Lord, but also, you know, in, in honor of others that have gone before us. So that's pretty cool. But today, today's sermon, did I miss the name of this? I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really give it a title because to give it a title was to give away <laughs> sort of what the subject was going to be. And I, and I was kind of trying to, to build up to it. But I guess if I were to title it, it would simply be doubt. Doubt. That was so a sermon about doubt. You were saying that before this, that this was like a sub, a sub Set well, two words. It it is because it, I feel like I technically see, it. What I was trying to do today, if you've been following along through are you our something our up? pattern, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to transition now out of Easter and back into uh, our series on words, mm-hmm. and and so I had done two sermons about the fact that words matter prior to Easter, 
And then we stepped away from that uh, for Easter and, and for the week after Easter. And so I, I spent time talking about doubt today because next Sunday when we return to part three of, of words, which really <laughs> I was treating today as words part three section a yeah that's what i was like and, what is this and why? next sunday is going to be section b or like if you remember cassette tapes right this was side one <laughs> and next sunday we're going to flip over and hear side two gotcha. um, but by teeing up the concept of, of doubt it's going to relate to then our words because mm-hmm. we've been talking about the fact that our words um can reveal things about our spiritual health that if we stop and listen to ourselves, so many times we talk and we talk and we talk, but we're never actually listening to ourselves and what we're saying and how we're saying things. Uh, but in in laying the groundwork for discussing doubt today, uh, that's going to help us then understand how how our words can help us to reveal the doubts that we experience and then also work through those doubts so that we can move beyond them. And and so we're going to talk more about the connection between doubt, our doubts and our words next Sunday. Okay, and so remind me what our text was today. I well, we didn't that. have really a central text today. There are times uh, when you, let, let, me, let me back up. The bulk of the time, what ought to be done and what I try to do is is take a passage and break it down, what we call exegete it. That is, uh, move through it in small chunks and really try to make sure you understand within context what this passage is trying to communicate. Um, but occasionally, or, or secondarily, let me say, uh, there are other times where what I do is I'm trying to trace a theme throughout Scripture. And so we'll look at multiple texts to see you know, what, what the breadth of Scripture has to say about something. Uh, but very occasionally, very, very rarely, kind of like today, I will start with a passage simply as a way to be a launching pad or as a backdrop to kind of focus our attention on a subject and then move through the Scriptures. And so that's what that's what we did today. We start, we looked at a passage in Matthew 28, closing verses of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the context being that Jesus has risen from the dead, and, and I and I talk a little more in detail about what's going on here. The fact that he's getting ready to to leave for heaven, um, but contained within those verses was this idea that some of the people who had assembled on the mountain who had seen the risen Savior, and who were about to see him ascend into heaven. It's an interesting inclusion in the story, thinking about it from a narrative standpoint. God inspired the narrative. He inspired Matthew to write the account. But Matthew clearly inserts in there, in the midst of all of this miraculous things that are happening, that some still doubted. And I mean, that... that that was the launching pad. That was the starting point for the message that, that, and the topic that we explored today. That concept that you could, you 
could literally see the risen Savior with your own eyes, touch him with your own hands, and still experience doubt. Yeah. Blows my mind. Well, as much as like the puzzle pieces came together for some, there are probably big question marks for others. Like, what is this? Yeah. Why? What you know, what's happening? What's you know? So in some ways it's hard to believe that they would see it in doubt. In other ways, if we really put ourselves in the situation, some of us might actually <laughs> be one of the doubters. Well, it, 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 I don't know if you want to call it human nature or, or what the case may be, but I really do feel like most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have at one time or another thought or maybe even said, you know, if, if God would just come down. If I could just see an angel, I kind of talked about that this morning. You know, if, if if I could just have some miraculous sign, you know, then then I would believe, or then I'd no longer have doubts or anything like that. But when you look at the Bible, you can't help but see people who experience those things, and yet still also experience doubts, or struggled with doubts, or wrestled with doubts, and so. Part of what we attempted to do was try to make sense of that. Mm -hmm. Try try to because too often we don't talk about our doubts. We don't we're share afraid to our doubts. admit it sometimes. We're we're yeah. afraid to admit uh, that we're having doubts, and that's not just in in a spiritual sense. You know, if you're in a relationship and you start having doubts and insecurities, well, you know, does the other person love me? Do I love this person? If you're deciding on a career path. And maybe you've gone to college and you've done four years or gone on and done six years. And then suddenly you graduate and you're like, well, is this really the life path that I want? Do I really <laughs> want to, you know, become a doctor? Maybe I want to uh, go sit on a mountain in Tibet and weave baskets or something. You know, <laughs> the, the reality is it, it's part of the human experience to experience doubts in all areas of our life. And yet... Um, we think that we're going through some sort of crisis in isolation that no one else can understand that. And that if we reveal those doubts to another person, it, it, it somehow um, devalues who we are. And, and so one of my main goals, especially with regard to our faith as Christians, one of my main goals today was to try and show the fact that really doubts are very common. Uh, it's a common experience. and and But just because it's common uh, doesn't mean it should control us. And so we get into that later in the sermon. I feel like, I don't, I don't think you said this at any point in the sermon. Um, I feel like for me, doubt has been fertile ground for bolstering my faith. Yeah, I didn't say that, but you're absolutely right. Because really, uh, doubts can become now. Now, look, you don't need to experience doubt. You know, if if, if right. you've got oh, a clear sure. sense of conviction, a clear sense of faith, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. I bless you. Don't feel like well, I need to experience. I should be doubt. doubting right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. I mean, doubts can be seen as an opportunity mm -hmm. to um, to find yourself in a position of greater faith 
as you work through those doubts and come out yeah. the other side. Yeah. I, I didn't talk about it this morning, but I've had several seasons in my life where I went through some serious doubts and, and you have too, mm -hmm. even ones you and I haven't talked about, but you know, you might talk about the time I came home and saw you in a puddle of tears oh, in the of the floor with papers around Systematic theology. <laughs> oh, Dr. Cross, I hope he's not listening. Well, even if he is, he is a great professor. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I kind of got, <laughs> I kind of got uh, myself in a predicament where I was in this systematic theology class. I, I think I like missed the prerequisite or something. They didn't give me the well, prerequisite. Well, no, they, the they, for whatever reason, they put you in a junior level theology course mm -hmm. without having had any other theology courses, uh, which most most other students would have done. And so, yeah, you were literally thrown into the deep end. That was like that was like a uh, make or break moment, mm -hmm. I think, because it really does it pulls apart theology and some things that I wrongly believed mm -hmm. because of culture sure um and other things i just didn't even fully understand Never so about yeah when it was like presented to me my brain almost exploded <laughs> like, yeah. so seriously yeah you came, you came by after work and i'm in the middle of the floor uh crying crying just i don't i know. don't even know what i believe anymore <laughs> but kind of to your point you know, there is a sense in which sometimes it's beneficial for us to um, to take things apart so that we can examine them mm -hmm. and, and see how they fit together. Now, now I want to be very careful here because there is something that's going on right now. It's a very popular trend amongst some. Um, some theological circles if you will and, and it's called deconstructionism yeah. it's not unique to religion it's it's happened in philosophy and and other disciplines before um but i would caution i would caution people who have some familiarity with this concept of deconstructing your faith to to be very careful going down that rabbit hole too far unfortunately what a lot of people are doing with their doubts these days is there is they are using that as um, a means to try and and deconstruct their faith in a way that they can pull out and jettison the things they don't like right and the things that they aren't comfortable with, and the things they disagree with, and embrace the ones that they and, agree and with that make them feel good. Yeah, almost, almost like trying to take the 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 authentic, genuine Christian faith and put it through a sifter mm -hmm. and pull out the rocky things and the hard things, so that only the the granules will will fall through. Now. Is there a value to examining the faith of your youth and the faith that you were raised and examining whether or not you were taught appropriately? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In fact, we didn't talk about it this morning, but I think there are a number of points in life where you are naturally in a position to doubt or to re-examine your life and these kinds of things. For example, uh, 
especially if you've grown up in church, once you hit your early 20s, as you're transitioning into adulthood and transitioning into independence, you're really in a season of life when in your faith and in a lot of other areas, you are forced to reconsider and re-examine mm-hmm. and determine, well, is this my faith? Right. Or was this simply the faith of, of, of my parents or my the faith of my mentors? I think that's a season. I think when you become a parent at whatever age, that becomes a natural point when you mm-hmm. begin to experience doubts and, and you wonder about it. Because now you're wondering, well, what should I teach my kids? Right. And what am I going to pass on? And what's important for them to know? And I think another big season of life is is um, as you start to lose family members, mm-hmm. as people start to pass away, especially your parents and others, again, you begin to question life, you begin mm-hmm. to question meaning and what's your purpose and this kind of stuff. And then once you reach uh, a certain season of old age, now now you're looking ahead to your legacy. You're looking to life after death. It's it's much closer than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And now you begin to really want it. I mean, is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Is Jesus really the way, um, you know, to, to life after death and all these kinds of things? And then, of course, if there are, um, you know, major major life events yeah. uh, that can cause you to, to really doubt or reconsider things. And so again, uh, all of that is just to remind us it is common. Right. But skipping ahead in the message, the question is, what do you do with those doubts? Right. That's what makes the difference. Right. So, you know, you kind of went through some of the heroes of the faith Um well, first of all, you said, what is one thing Christ followers have in common? Mm-hmm. And you said doubt. And so I think that that really um, should help us not feel so in it on our own. Yeah. Um, that if you do have those question marks or those doubts that arise from time to tw- time, you're not the only one and it's not the first time. <laughs> um, and you're in good company. Uh, but you kind of went through these heroes of the faith, you know, Moses doubted God repeatedly, uh, but you asked the question, but did he finish his mission? And he Mm -hmm. did when it came to, you know, telling Pharaoh to let God's people go. And, uh, so, uh, Gideon talked about, uh, the fleece and, uh, I've always found that story fascinating Mm -hmm. where, where Gideon puts out the fleece and, you know, he asks. God to I forget which one was first to make it wet and the ground dry and then to make it the fleece dry and the ground wet and I always kind of chuckled at Gideon because I I feel like that was me you know like it was like (laughs) God did it the first time I was like well um well was that for real (laughs) you know like (laughs) somebody came out here with a bucket Uh, right you know uh and so you know, you said, I wonder what it says about God for him to deal with Gideon's doubt. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we question, well, what does that say about Gideon? Yeah. Uh, but you said, I wonder what it says about God for him to deal with Gideon's doubt and how long suffering mm-hmm. God can be with us in the midst of our doubt. Yes. Uh, and we see it so many times in scripture uh, when people would doubt or ask God question after question after question, and he was so patient in response. And I think if I were God, I would just be like, 
I am the creator of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and listen, he does do that. He does that with Job, where, where he right. doesn't actually give the answer or he doesn't give a sign. But but even when God says, I'm the creator of the universe, he, he's calling us back to the recognition that God is God mm-hmm. and that and that on the basis of those credentials alone right. we ought to trust him even in our lack of understanding yeah. but i i say this all the time and not only me but i'm part of a tradition that will consistently try to remind you that the bible is ultimately a book about god mm-hmm. not so, about us and not and not now it is about us but it is primarily about god and so when you're reading these stories we are tempted to be so focused on the human aspect of things. We're so focused on the human characters and trying to see ourselves in the human characters and so forth. But you you will be far more enriched mm-hmm. when you look at each story and ask yourself, what can I learn about God through this yeah. story? And and so that that was the reminder today is even as you're seeing these great quote-unquote great men and women of the Bible, if you really look at them, you will see that so many of them were sinners. They were failures. They were unrighteous. They were inconsistent. They uh, were at times rebellious. And yes, they doubted. But, But through those experiences, what we do is we look for God's reactions we look for god's action we look for god's attitude and his position towards them and what we find most often is grace and mercy and you use the word long suffering Mm -hmm. love that great biblical word to suffer a long time with someone um to to pour out his love and his forgiveness now again sort of jumping jumping ahead and coming back it must be clearly understood that God has no patience with unbelief. Mm-hmm. You know, to outright reject the truth, to, to resist the truth, to be stuck in this position of simply, I don't believe and I'm not going to believe. If you're using doubt as a cover for just flat out unbelief, God has no patience for that. But for the person who has sincere questions, for the person mm-hmm. who struggles to understand, for the person who who may genuinely desire to believe, and yet, because of our humanness, the fact that our minds can't wrap themselves right. around these great truths, um, God has a great deal of patience for that, it would mm-hmm. seem, yeah. as you read through the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, so you went through John the Baptist, and you called his experience with doubt a dark night of the soul. You say sometimes we all experience kind of that, you know, you're going, you're going through the valley, <laughs> and he was. And, and and to be clear, this is not my phrase. This, right. This comes from a long tradition of Christian writers, but it what a beautiful and and haunting phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure who the first was to sort of coin it, but it, it goes back a long time because because again it it describes an experience that maybe not all people go through, but I believe it's an experience that is more common than what we recognize. This, this, um, I, I, you could almost go back to Psalm 23, you know, even as like, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now it's interesting, just a side note, 
there is a real place in Israel called uh, the Valley of Death, mm-hmm. and and it's a, a if I remember correctly, it's on the way from Jericho to Jerusalem, and and it's a it's a valley between these two crags that is is so narrow and so deep that no light can pass through it. And, uh, and it, it's just, it's a, almost like a, a place of total darkness, but you have to go through it in order to get to the other side and make it to your destination. And, and so David is reflecting on that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'll fear no evil because, uh, because it was such a, a, a perilous and treacherous place. I mean, you, you could have bandits that would hide out. Mm. in that valley and they they could jump out and attack you and steal your sheep and you know steal your your uh, money and all this kind of stuff but he says i will fear no evil for thou art with me you know again in even in the face of doubt sort of the antidote if you want to call it that is turning your eyes back on god on seeing who god is on reflecting on on his nature and character as revealed in the scriptures on remembering his goodness to you and what he's done in the past to demonstrate and evidence himself. And, and as you reflect upon God, you, you, you recognize more and more that you can trust God and that you don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to understand everything, um, but that you can trust God. And so that dark night of the soul, you know, very much like what David writes in the 23rd Psalm, is something that we go through, something that we um, seek to pass through and come out on the other side. Um, so then you talked about um, David, but you said something in here that I think a lot of us have, have thought a time or two. That it may not feel like God is being good now in yeah. a situation. Yeah. You know, we if we tell ourselves the one truth that God is good mm-hmm. and that he does good, but sometimes it feels like he ain't doing so good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the situations that we go through, sometimes we don't feel the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding that if we trust him and we hang in there with him, mm-hmm. God shows his goodness in the process. Oh, I mean, look, uh, a lot of people will turn their attention to Romans 8, uh, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And what a great and wonderful and encouraging verse. But you have to remind yourself, who gets to decide what good is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I have very clear definitions in our own minds of what good is should look like but the reality is god is the one who gets to decide what is good god is the one who determines what is best and if you love god and are called according to his purpose you can trust god's definition of good in your life even when you don't think it matches up to your definition um one of the things that you brought up that i thought was pretty interesting is you talked about the difference between doubt and unbelief. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we equate these two. 
yeah. things, but they are de- different. Um, and you talked about how doubt, there is struggle with doubt. There's question with doubt, but with unbelief, it's a complete out and out refusal mm-hmm. to believe. Um, and so I think that that should help some people that are in the doubt phase. Yeah. Um, cause I think sometimes people feel sometimes a weight of guilt over their doubt. Um, Like, oh, if I have questions, what a terrible Christian I am. Um, But it's like, do you believe? You know, or or is this just one of those question marks that you're wrestling with that you need to allow God to, you know, work in you and through you to come out on the other end of those doubts? And, you know, it's worth saying that even among unbelievers if you will or Mm. among those who have not yet chosen to become christians questions are not necessarily a bad thing there either in fact it it should be understandable that that everyone would have genuine questions about christianity and about the bible and about uh faith and about you know what what does this all look like and what does this all mean and and sometimes those questions can seem offensive to us mm. and sometimes they're meant to be offensive don't get me wrong okay mm-hmm. but sometimes a question is a genuine question you know and and can we i think sometimes we get insecure as christians when we're faced with questions from unbelievers, we feel insecure yeah. because we don't know how to answer their yeah. questions. And so sometimes it's easier to kind of get offended by the question than to treat it as a serious question and try to try to think through, okay, well, how do I answer yeah. that question? But by the same token, this idea of, of doubt versus unbelief, many times unbelief masquerades as doubt. Mm, mm-hmm. Many people, many times uh, people, you know, will, will say, well, I've got questions and, and I just can't understand and I just can't tell. But the bottom line is they really have chosen not to believe. And they're just using those questions as kind of, kind of an excuse. So part of what we have to do as Christians is, is pray for discernment mm-hmm. in dealing with unbelievers to try and determine, you know, are these questions coming from a place of spiritual hunger and thirst is god working in somebody's life that that is he the one that's sort of sparking this curiosity is he the one that has created this crisis within a person's life that they want a genuine answer to these questions or is this someone who has truly sort of hardened their heart and they're unbelieving and and they're wanting to be offensive to the believer uh, or they're just trying to masquerade their unbelief as sort of a, 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 a still on a spiritual exploration and this kind mm-hmm. of thing. I do have to give credit to uh, another part of the North Church legacy, uh, Mike Paulson, mm-hmm. previous pastor, because in, in leading up to this message, I was talking to him, and he was telling me about another pastor friend of his who was um, considering this concept of, of doubt. And, and he was the one who sort of got me on this track talking about the fact that, you know, some doubts come from a sincere place mm-hmm. and, and some doubts really just come from a hard heart. And uh, so, again, that's it's not an original idea for me, but I, as I was talking with Mike, I said, man, that's good. That's got to go in the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's this is another 
word of caution too um, is that if you're dealing with someone that has questions, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes as believers, I think when people have questions, we want to give them the answer they want to hear. Oh, yeah. And we really have to be careful that we're giving them a biblical answer. Yes. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have to be jerks about it. You yeah. know, like there, there are some hard truths that sometimes we'll be called on to share. I know I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten messages before from people, you know, that I, that I know that have asked me hard questions about what, what, you know, does God think about this or what does mm-hmm. God think about that? And a, this is why we have to study to show ourselves approved, right? You yeah. have to know what scripture says in order to give an answer. And in fact, God calls upon us to be ready to give an answer for what we believe and why we believe it. Um, so sometimes I feel like doubt plays a part in that in, you know, bolstering hmm. what we believe hmm. and what we know about God. Because once we have that question and that question gets answered, yeah, then we know how to answer it for other people. Yes. Uh, but I would say just be really careful when people come at you with questions uh, not to want to tickle their ears mm. with something that you think is going to cause them to swing your direction. Right. Because it's, it's not about what we say winning them or not winning them. Mm-hmm. It's about what we say in response is in alignment with the word of God. Yeah. And then allowing God and the Holy Spirit to do the work in that person. We don't get to do the work in that person. Uh, and so sometimes I think we think it's dependent all on us. And so we want to give these answers that will, you know, sway them our direction. Mm-hmm. And that's not our job. Yeah. Uh, and so I would just, I would throw that out there if you're dealing with someone who is either an unbeliever with questions. Yeah. Or a believer with questions. Yeah, boy, that's a that is a great reminder. Yeah, you're not your job isn't to to, you know, make them a believer. Your job is to give them the word of God to, and allow, to the best of your yes. ability to accurately represent the truth of Scripture, uh, and and the truth of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we we never seek as Christians. It's never our intention to offend anyone, but. Scripture is clear that the nature of truth is that it will be offensive to many people. Yeah. And and the reason it's offensive to many people is because many people don't really want to hear mm-hmm. the truth. They, they, they either want to hear something that makes them feel good or they want something that gives them permission to do the things they already have it in their hearts to do. But we know that the heart is wicked and deceitful above all mm-hmm. things until it is transformed uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, I say it all the time. Paul Paul says that uh, the truth to believers is like a sweet aroma, but the truth to unbelievers is like the smell of a rotting corpse. Mm-hmm. You know, the believer whose heart has been transformed longs for truth, more truth, nothing but the truth. Yeah. Whereas the the unbeliever who has yet to yield to the truth of God. Want, rejects that truth and and uh and yet like you're saying you know we should resist the temptation to succumb to pressure mm-hmm. to simply please people or appease people uh in the name of 
you know, trying to win someone. Yeah. Um, you can you can say things in a loving way. You can be gracious about it, but yeah. you, at the end of the day, you got to be truthful and honest yeah. to the best of your ability. And sometimes we're afraid of rejection. Oh, you know, like if sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, because yeah. because we believe these things to uh -huh. be true, and so when we say, "Well, Scripture says this mm -hmm. about X, Y, or Z," um, we're putting we're putting our stamp of approval on it, and so then if they reject that, then it kind of feels like a personal rejection. But the fact of the matter is, they're not rejecting you; they're rejecting the Word of God. Well, and they might be rejecting and, well, you, but, yeah. <laughs> because you believe in the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I've had people that I've given very gentle responses to mm -hmm. and answers to questions. You know, if you ask me a question, I'm going to I'm going to tell you that's, the that's truth. Very true, and I and I've seen you do that a lot, and especially on social media. And it's something that I respect about you and admire is your willingness not to shy away from even mm -hmm. the hard questions. Well, and that's the thing is, even when you're gentle, sometimes people will turn away from you. Sure. Um, yeah. And even when you are doing it in all lo love, you know, um, it can sometimes, you can feel the sting of that, yeah. you know, the sting of rejection or whatever. whatever. Um, and I would say just pray through that because it is hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to mm -hmm. see people turn away from something that you know is truth. Um, but it's, it's the hard, cold facts of life. I'm taking that on from David drops that yeah, from time yeah, to time. Yeah, well, that's from my mother. Yeah. So you're start well, hey, there you go. Yeah. Um. So you you say God is big enough to handle your doubts if you let Him. Well, praise God for that. Uh, and we we as Christians, I think we tell ourselves God is big enough to deal with anything. Mm -hmm. But then we disqualify certain things that we're dealing with, yeah. like, but he can't handle. Yes, he can. Good word. But yeah. he can't. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, bigger than all my questions, bigger than all my fears, bigger than all. Can you, you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, but I, like, I totally wouldn't be able to. And I'm not going to sing on the okay, podcast. Okay, fine. Sorry. But you just did. Hey. Well, of course. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, 10 bonus points to anyone who can uh, comment with the name of that song. There you go. Send there us go. a message. Yeah. Um, so you also talk about, though, unbelief leads to destruction. And that kind of uh, is the opposite in the spectrum when we're talking about how sometimes doubt can help bolster our faith. You know, I, I heard I heard another preacher. Uh, I didn't say this, but I heard another preacher say say what I'm about to say, and I really like it. He said, "Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Mm -hmm. Unbelief yes. is the opposite of faith." Yeah. And I think that's true. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, so yeah, you said you know what do you do with your doubts? Mm -hmm. That's the real question. It's not uh, do you have no doubts. I mean, I certainly hope that you're in a season or reach a point in your life where you have settled the doubts and settled the questions. Look, look, that's that is possible uh, to reach that that point in your life. Um, but again, if you're experiencing doubts, don't don't let that um, 
don't let that shake you. Recognize that doubts are common. Mm-hmm. The real issue is what are you going to do with those doubts? Right. Don't be defeated by it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not it's not a reason to be defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, so what... Okay, because this is where I was in and out. We had pizza being delivered at the time. <laughs> uh, so I have... a. A bunch of random things written down, but what were your bullet points for what do you do with your doubts? Well, uh, and again, if, if for those who have listened to the sermon right. audio, they'll, they'll be able to pull those out. But just to kind of briefly summarize, um, I, I used Job as a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can even see it in, in the psalm that I read as well. But number one, you take your doubts to God. Mm. That that in fact that's the most important takeaway, is is we talk about the fact that God can de- is big enough to deal with your doubts, and really God is the one who is fully equipped to deal with your doubts. So take your doubts to God. Pray. Let let reveal. Look, He already knows what you're thinking and feeling and experiencing, but He invites you. To bring your questions to him, bring him your insecurities, bring him your anxieties. Uh, he he is big enough to be able to withstand whatever criticisms and whatever questions and whatever <laughs> accusations you might level against him. Uh, but prayer, prayer is is one of the primary vehicles by which God can help to transform the doubts in your life into a greater faith um so so the most important thing i was i was saying was to to share your doubts with god and and again he may or may not answer your questions he may or may not change your circumstances he may but james is clear if any man like wisdom let him ask of the father who gives generously but when when he asks he must believe that god will answer uh, secondly, I talk about the importance of sharing your doubts with other believers. Mm. And again, not, not hiding those doubts, not wearing a mask, not uh, trying to be the super Christian, but being honest with other believers. Because as you're experiencing doubts, it may be that one of your brothers or sisters in Christ is in a season of great faith and mm-hmm. is able to speak to your doubts. Or maybe they've wrestled with that doubt before and, and they... Know the path mm-hmm. to help you uh, work your way through that, and and so it's exactly uh, what I did with my systematic theology. Yeah, you got to hear all of my doubts. Oh yes, oh yes, and, and and see, I'd already been there before. We didn't talk right. about the fact that I, I went through my own crisis of faith. You know, coming those early twenties, and uh, I had to decide for myself: was this truly my faith? Had I had I ta- taken this faith and made it in, internal to me or was I simply carrying on my parents faith and what I'd been taught and all this kind of stuff and and I had to make a lot of decisions about uh, uh, and I love the story I didn't tell the story today but I love this story about GK Chesterton who uh, many of you may not know him but I encourage you to look him up he, he um, was a, a, a pastor a preacher a revivalist a, a writer and he was raised in a preacher's home and at the ni- age of 19 started preaching and uh, was really rather effective at it. 
But he grew up in a period of time where you had Charles Darwin, you know, the theory of evolution, mm-hmm. and, and uh, a lot of other writers who were questioning religion and questioning God and questioning Christianity and all this kind of stuff. And so he writes about the fact that 19, 20, 21 years old, he reached a point of crisis in faith. He had been raised in a Christian home, had set out as a preacher, was preaching the Bible, and yet he's reading all these other, and he began to get confused, and he began to have doubts. And so finally, one summer, uh, the story goes, he put all the books aside, he put all the uh, letters and pamphlets and everything aside, he went and bought a fresh copy of a Bible, and basically locked himself in a room for a summer. And he said, uh, if the Bible is true, it will be able to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And so he spent that whole summer just reading through the Bible and studying the Bible and taking the Bible apart and all this other kind of stuff. And he said, when I emerged that summer from having immersed myself in Scripture, he said, my faith was strong, my vision was clear, and I knew I would spend the rest of my life preaching this word. Mm-hmm. And that's what some of us need to do. Yeah. I you feel know? like that's been my personal um, trajectory with scripture. You know, in the early years of my life, in my adolescence and early adulthood, uh, I very passively read scripture. Mm. Um and the older I've gotten, and really the more of life I've come to understand, yeah. the more reading scripture clears out those doubts. Like, yeah. I feel like, uh, it's like, whoa, I've never read it like this before. And how many puzzle pieces that puts together for me in those moments. Mm. Uh, and scripture does do that for us. Like, if you have doubt, read the Bible, <laughs> you know, like just read it, read it for yourself. Don't read it passively. Read it with the intention of understanding. Um, and I like, I'm a success story. I feel like so. <laughs> take my word yeah. for it. You know, read it with the intention of understanding, and a lot of your questions will be answered if you're looking at it through the eyes of faith and and so going back to the point about um sharing your doubts with other believers mm-hmm. and sometimes you've got to be discerning about you know who is this a mature believer is this right, a mature right. believer, that kind of a thing but generally speaking you know in in your case i'd been through a lot of those same questions i'd already had systematic theology <laughs> as well as all the other theology courses at <laughs> yeah. least. and so and so i was in a position to kind of be able to point you in directions mm-hmm. and help you understand the questions and kind of guide you along as other people had done for me and but uh, you know recognize that even as a pastor look i don't have all the answers that's not right. my job right but my job is to continually remind people who has the answers. Yeah. And that's God. And my job is the answers that I have to share with you so that you can share with others so that the cycle of discipleship, teaching and training and mentoring and modeling can can continue. So 
Take your doubts to God. He's big enough to handle them. Share your doubts with other believers. They, they may be able to speak into your life. And you also can speak into the life of others mm-hmm. in their seasons of doubt yeah. to help guide them through. Um, and those were really, I, I said more than that in the, in the message, but those were kind of the, the top uh, two. To break it down, those are really the top two that I wanted people to take away. I will say too, uh, because sometimes we think of doubt like, you know, hanging your head in doubt. But I was mad. <laughs> I was an angry yeah, doubt. That's honest. Yeah, sure. Like, I was just like, I have been lied to. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I remember sometimes like us having those discussions and I think I probably acted angry at you in the middle of those sure. conversations, but I was just mad, you know. You know th- look, let's be honest, okay? Um, and again, uh, some people are, are not going to be familiar with this whole deconstructionist conversation that's taking place, but, but some of our listeners might be familiar with it. And I understand the appeal of, quote-unquote, deconstructing your faith, because the reality is we do have imperfect parents. We do have mm-hmm. imperfect teachers. The church, because it's still a human institution, right. a human institution ordained by God, right. but still made up of humans, we, we've had false teachers and false prophets and, and even sincere and well-meaning right. pastors yeah. who have just continued in a tradition of beliefs or doctrines or practices that really are not are not biblical. So right. let's be honest about that. There are things that many of us in the church world or not in the church world have been taught or believe that are just wrong. They're just not biblical. And yeah. unfortunately, that is continuing more and more. There are more and more false prophets and false teachers, and a lot of them are in the quote-unquote deconstructionist movement yeah. because they're using that, they're co-opting that, to try and lead people away from authentic Christian faith. They're still calling it a new yeah. Christianity, but it, it's it's not biblical. And so it, it is unfortunate. Um, but as you said, doubt can become an opportunity to the extent that you reorient yourself to Scripture and to God and place your trust in God and seek earnestly to know the truth. Right. Um, it, yeah, it can lead you away from the the false teachings or the misguided teachings that that maybe you've believed and held even for a long time. Uh, but again, not to a religion of your own making. Right. But but to the true religion as as, as depicted in, in Scripture. And yeah, I can I can understand what you're saying about being angry when you come to those <laughs> moments of realization. It's like I, you know, I spent so much time, so many you know, years, so many years. But but wow, what joy! Mm-hmm. What what freedom! What sense of uh, authenticity when you when Scripture does come alive to you, and and you begin to see what the real gospel is, and and you see. <sighs> it's my it's my heart's desire for for everyone now 
are there still things about scripture that we struggle with? You know, sure. some of these side yeah. doctrines and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, that doesn't undermine the authority of scripture. It just means we're still humans trying to grapple with the divine truth that's been given right. to us. Well, I, you know, I think a lot of the issue that I had was misguided preachers. Oh, yeah. Because I, right. I knew a lot of pastors that, boy, they didn't, they didn't have a, a, you know, a self-involved bone in their body. It was not a deceptive bone in the body. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that to me was probably the hardest thing to get past because you're like, these are well-meaning people. And yet here are areas of scripture that don't line up with what they were saying. Yeah. And here's the th- it wasn't new stuff. This was stuff that people were preaching all around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's even, I don't want to say worse today, but. Oh, it's you know, worse. It, in a lot of ways it is because an idea can get out on social media. Oh. And now you got people who are reposting it and who are preaching it and taking it and all or this taking kind of stuff. things out of context in general taking like... things out of context you know so again all the more reason for us to to be vigilant right. and to be intentional and and to place our trust in god and in his word yeah. and for us to talk about these things talk about your doubts rather than just trying to harbor them and deal with them yeah. and, uh, and i I think too another thing, and this part of this is going to be kind of creepy. Okay. Oh, okay. I would Warning. say if if you feel like someone has said something that is against scripture and you've heard it online, uh-huh. and you know that person, I would say clarify it with them um, instead of blanket like uh, throwing them out. You know what I'm talking about. So like if you I hear somebody online. Because I'm going to go into the next part of it, which totally blew my mind this week. If you hear somebody say something online that is outside of scripture, and that's Uh not usually their MO. Oh, if it's out of character for Yes. I see what you're saying. Clarify it directly with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And let me tell you why. Because this this creeped me out this week, but I think we may see it more in the church now. We talked about AI. Yes. Artificial intelligence. Okay, yeah. And there is now technology that will take your voice. Yes. And use it on online, on the phone. Right. Uh, to say things in your voice. That you didn't actually that say. That you didn't actually say. Yes, I've seen this. Um, so this is something I feel like, here's a little red flag for everybody, because this may be something that we see more of mm-hmm. in the coming years. To be very careful about what you're hearing and what you're believing of what you're hearing without hearing it firsthand. Okay, so this this is another reason. Uh, look, it's it's great to make use of online resources mm-hmm. uh, for your Bible study and for your enrichment, and and so I'm not saying don't do that. Right. But this is one of the reasons it's so important for you to be involved in a local church. Yes. Yep. Because, and go to that church. Well, yeah, because <laughs> because then you're in relationship with people. You're in relationship with your pastors and your teachers. You're able to observe their life. You're actually able to hear them with your own ears. That is, 
what they're saying to you in their presence. Right. And therefore, you can establish that pattern. Right. You, you know this is their pattern of teaching. This is their pattern of thought. This is their life, the, the pattern of their example. Right. And exactly what you're saying, then when you see something online or when someone comes to you with some kind of comment right. or remark or he did this or she said that, you have enough relationship and enough uh, personal observation to be able to go, that doesn't sound right. Right. That sounds out of character. I'm not saying you're lying to me, but I'm saying I'm going to have to go talk to so-and-so because that does, I know pastor so-and-so, I know sister so-and-so, um, and that just doesn't sound right. right. But you can only do that if you're truly yes. in relationship with someone or you're a part of that local congregation so yes. that you regularly can, can see them, interact with them, and know them. Yep. And that's exactly why you don't take just what someone says about the Bible as you learning the Bible. Yeah. Because it's for the same reason. Anyone can filter anything to you right. that they want. What, that's in or, the Bible? Well, actually, no. no. If you read it, you'll <laughs> read find, it. no, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> so this calls upon us yeah. to be responsible listeners mm. as much as we are responsible speakers. Sure. Um, and know when it's time to ask a question. You know, when is it time to go to that person? And let me tell you, if you hear us talking about something unbiblical or outside of Scripture, reach out to us. Oh, yeah. Because we'll have the conversations. It's either we've misunderstood something or an artificial intelligence robot has taken <laughs> over our voice. <laughs> there may be other possibilities, there. but yes. So just be warned. That's wild. <laughs> so I just I have thought about that this week, and I thought, boy, you know, when we're talking about hearing things that even cast doubt, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. to, we have to be really vigilant hearers. Yeah. as well as speakers. Um, so one of the last things that you did, I, I actually missed the live thing, uh, but one of the last things you did was a little bit of a, a trick. You called one of the kids up. Well, it's objectless. Objectless. It's actually science. Sure. It's not a trick. But I mean, it looks like a trick. Okay, fine. Uh, and so you called one of the kids up. You had a, a Ziploc bag. So if you were listening to this on the podcast, you might not have gotten the full context. That's fair. Um, you had a Ziploc bag full of water. Full of water. You had four pencils. Pen sharp pencils. You asked a kid to come up, and you the premise was you were going to hold this bag over the kid's head mm -hmm. and shove a pencil through it. That's right. And you were asking him, you know, do you trust me? The, do, well, do you think I can put this pencil through this bag right. of water and keep you dry? Right. Or do you, do you think it's going to spill out and, right. and soak you? And at first, you could kind of see he was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I was like, well, what if I told you I can put this pencil through this bag of water and you will not get wet? Do you trust me? Yeah. You try, and so I was pretty impressed with him. Oh, I, lo I love because this young man. He, I really do. Not only did he actually trust you with the first pencil, mm -hmm. he trusted you with the second, third, and the fourth. And fourth. <laughs> we went the distance, man. I even gave him the option. Of would you like someone else to sub right. in? And and he's like, no, let's let's just. Keep now going. I will I will admit because I saw you practice this. <laughs> oh, 
I'll admit too. <laughs> I will admit I had a shred of doubt. I had that question well, mark. <laughs> I had to, that's the point. I had to practice this object lesson because the first several times I, I, I wasted several bags of water because uh, my technique was yes. off. I have like and, five Ziploc bags in my sink. Or... And they did burst and the water did come pouring out. And I even looked at you at one point. I'm like, I may have to scrap this like, thing. Maybe this you shouldn't not, do this over a poor kid. This head. may not go. Of course, I I had prepared. If that did happen, I had prepared a way to make it still applicable. <laughs> but I didn't want to soak anybody, As especially bring a the beach towel congregation. But, but yeah, yeah. no I, I practiced, I got the technique down, understood the science of it. And so then when the time came, you know, I did it. And, and <laughs> thankfully, it, it, it worked out the way I intended it to. I mean, this is just a glimpse into a pastor's home life. Mm -hmm. Is me sitting at the kitchen table. Watching me poke a bag of watching water. Watching you <laughs> poke holes into a bag of water. <laughs> this is what we do. We are yeah. scientists. But, uh, yeah, but that I... was, a, like, I felt like it was really powerful, too, because something that I noticed was it, it was almost as if his trust in you mm -hmm. increased at every pencil mm -hmm. instead of decreased. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like our trust is tested mm. at each thing in our mm. life. Yeah. Instead of it, instead of us remembering how God brought us out of the last trial, how God helped us through the last struggle, sometimes it's like, oh, but will he in this one? And it's almost as if the doubt creeps back in sure. instead of allowing the past things that God has done. I mean, the children of Israel went through the same situations. Uh, and they would still think they needed to go back to Egypt, yeah. you know, like, but will God do it this time? Can I trust God this time? The answer is always yes. Well, there, there again, okay, we're, we're talking about if, if all you do in the Old Testament is look at the children of Israel, you'd get really discouraged. Well, that's true. Because they kept rebelling and they kept failing well, yeah. and they kept <laughs> forgetting, as yeah. you said. But again, if you look at it from God's side of things, one of the things that God constantly does uh, is he reminds them of what he has done. Yeah. So that they will trust what he is capable of doing. Yeah. The number of times he says, I brought you out of Egypt. You know, I brought you through the Red Sea. Mm. I sustained you through the wilderness. I brought you into the promised land. I kept my word I to Abraham, that Isaac, and Jacob. I through the Ziploc bag, and you didn't well, get wet. <laughs> and so now, as Christians living in the New Testament age, what do we do? We remind ourselves of what God has yes. done in Christ. Yeah. He sent Christ to the earth. Christ lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again from the dead in power, proving his divine. Christ even now stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. He sent the Holy Spirit that we might have power to be his bold witnesses. And that that's, you want to call it another practical tip. And when you're experiencing doubts, rehearse the things that are clearly yes. demonstrated. Yeah. Rehearse the goodness of God. Rehearse his grace through us in Christ Jesus. Yeah rehearse and remind yourself of who God is and what God has done and recognize what he is capable of doing, even if you feel like he's not doing it. Right yeah. Now. So if you have been recently experiencing doubts or have in the past, 
Yeah. Or it may even in the future. No. That's not the end of the road for you. Yeah. In fact, it could be the beginning of a huge boost in your faith. Hey, uh, send us a message. Let, yes. let us know if you're going through something right now. Let us know if you've been through something. What was helpful to you? Uh, were there any particular passages, stories, mm-hmm. experiences, uh, recognitions about God? And we'd love to maybe uh, highlight some of those or you know, share them even anonymously. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be an encouragement to others. Yeah. So next time we will continue on. But until then, uh, how about you close us out in a word of prayer? Dear God, we are grateful for the understanding that you are trustworthy, that you are good, and that you do not change. You are who you have always been and will continue to be who you always will be. I pray for my brothers and sisters in the faith. I pray that you would fan the flame of faith in their hearts. I pray that you would speak to their doubts. I pray that you would lead them through the valley of the shadow of death. For Lord, we do trust in you. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have a good week. We'll catch you next time. Next time. North Church of God is located in St. Joseph, Missouri. For more information, go to northcog.com. That's N-O-R-T-H-C-O-G dot com.